hey there, ready to not just live and grind it out, but thrive in both your professional and personal life? Let's co-create that journey together. Here are three options. One, engage in thought-provoking conversations at our exclusive dinner party. Two, join Dare to Lead, my upcoming group coaching program, kicking off this fall. Three, or opt for personalized private coaching for a deep transformational journey. Don't just work, thrive. With meaningful work and personal fulfillment woven together, we'll create a life that feels as good on the inside as it looks on the outside. Ready to take the leap? Check the show notes for more. Can't wait to work with you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide Hello and welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. So I ask you, when you think of leader, do you think of someone other than yourself? When I used to think of leaders, I thought of presidents, C-suite executives, managers, prime ministers, captains, directors. That's how I thought of leadership. Here's the thing. Leadership goes beyond the formal titles. It's a role we all play in our personal lives, in our communities, and potentially our workplaces. Whether you're a parent, a family member, or someone taking on leadership responsibilities informally, you are a leader. And I'll state it again, because we tend to have difficulties hearing this, especially when it's an identity we have not attributed to ourselves, but often to others, either in our culture, like presidents, C-suite execs, CEOs, right? Or prime ministers, people that are famous, but we don't give ourselves that viewpoint. And oftentimes it's our own imposter syndrome where we identify with being an imposter. Like I'm not a leader. Nobody's granted me that title that may be blocking you from hearing this, that you are a leader regardless of your formal title or your lack of formal title. I often talk about being the leader of your life. We are leaders of our family, whether you have children whether maybe you're the adult child and at some point, especially as we have aging parents, we wind up becoming the leaders and making decisions for them or supporting them and helping them navigate that time in their life, right? We are leaders at work, again, whether with a formal title or without, maybe you're the person that people come to and you don't have that formal title, or maybe you're the person that people realize you'll take responsibility of and get stuff done, and you're that leader. They're leaders in our community. Or maybe you're the leader of your friend group. You're the one that's able to be the social coordinator, get everybody to gather. Or maybe you're the leader or one of the leaders in your children's activities or sports. 
with sports, we could not do it without parent volunteers. And there's different types of leadership within those groups as well. So we are all leaders in our personal lives, in our communities, and in our workplaces. And you may not have a leadership title, but if you're a parent, you are a leader. In a family, you may have a role as a leader, either with aging parents, amongst your siblings, maybe you're the oldest, maybe you're the youngest and you're the leader. At work, you may be the one taking on the leadership duties, whether or not it's your job title. And this happens quite often. Oftentimes I have people that are clients who are doing the work of a different title than what they actually have, but they're in that leadership role because of the skill sets that they have. Like I said, as a friend, you may be the one who's organizing the social gatherings of your friend group. So if you're still struggling with like, Corinne, I can't identify myself as a leader, answer this question. Do you look for the potential in people? If so, you are a leader. Do you look for the potential in processes to improve things? If so, you are a leader. Here are more examples. I I did those big fancy titles that we put up on big pedestals and we give attribution that are really successful. They're also leaders are teachers. They're leaders. They're leading a classroom. That's really hard work that they do. Coaches, they're leaders. They may be a group of eight-year-olds. They're leading them. They're leading them through to help them get and reach their potential in sport. As I've mentioned several times, parents are leaders. Aunts and uncles can be leaders. These are all examples of where we are looking at the potential in people. So I have a story to share. A few weeks ago, we were at a swim meet and one of the little boys who I'll call Avery, that's not his name, but I'll call him Avery. His mom swam for me as an age grouper and then later at the college. She really loved the experience and wanted her kids to be a part of it. So she drives into town with her kids and he's known me for a few years and is quite friendly, but that morning he was having none of it. It's actually kind of more common than not. <laughs> you know, it's like seven in the morning, the kids are coming in and everybody's like, yeah, you're going to go warm up. It's going to be great. And the kids are like, why would I want to get in pool at seven in the morning? For those of you that don't know, it doesn't, it's not like getting in a hot tub. It's, it's an 82 degree pool which at seven in the morning does not feel very good because your body is like 98 degrees. So it's a little bit of a shocker. And while he may not be able to identify that, right, he probably knows that and doesn't want to get in. And so he didn't want to swim the 25 backstroke. And he had two races because he's five, I think. He had 25 freestyle and 25 backstroke, which is one length each. And I just said, let's come over. And he was part of my little Uno game. If you listen to other shows, I started this summer playing Uno. It was a way to build connection and trust and and just to focus on that part instead of thinking like, I need to power you over or I need to get you to go and do something. Like, let's just work on this and becoming comfortable in this very uncomfortable situation. So I got him to play and I had a group of kids and we were playing and he eventually went off to go race his 25 freestyle, skipped warm up, which was fine at that age. And then later there was this big to do about the backstroke. And in the end, he did not swim the backstroke. And it was quite the scene. 
was out there. I thought I was going to be able to get him in. You know, some people weren't convinced that, you know, about this whole process. So anyways, I relented, but we'd stop the meet for a couple minutes. And, you know, I'm sure that was embarrassing for him. Right. And that was okay. And it took bravery for me because I knew I was trying to help him get to something that he could do, but he couldn't see that he could do it. And he was so in place of fear. And so I went to practice the next couple of days and I worked with him, right? And we started doing backstroke. I, I, he told me why he didn't like it because it was uncomfortable and he could swallow some water. And those are all really real. You know, the Olympian, Olympic champion, Caleb Dressel does not like to swim backstroke because he can't see where he's going, right? You can be a world-class swimmer and not like to see it. And I knew that this was something that he could do. And if we could work on it and develop the skills and practice it, then he could be able to do it. So that day at practice, you know, we had fins on where, and I'm teaching him the, the progression of backstroke. And in the end, we wound up in that 45 minute practice doing like 20 lengths of backstroke. And he, after each lap, he started getting more confident because the thing he thought he couldn't do, he realized he could do. And I ask you this, how often are you your own barrier to maybe an outcome other people think you can do that you may not be able to see for yourself, side note, being a leader, or that you may not have the skill sets yet to do? So the next day I came back and that night a parent asked me like, oh, why are you here? And I jokingly said, I don't like to lose, which is true. But it's not about me winning, right? Because when am I winning? I had a kid swim 20 laps of backstroke. But it's me being able to help him reach his potential. Me being able to help him get beyond his own obstacle, which is himself. And so the next day, you know, we, we started out with fins and then we progressed and we took off fins and that was more uncomfortable. And he remembered something I said to him at the meet a few days earlier. He remembered I said, you can always stop on the landline and you can rest, get yourself reset and go again. And I didn't tell him this on Tuesday and the meet was on Saturday, but he did it. He stopped, he readjusted, he got back and he finished. And every time he finished, we celebrated that. Like, look at what you did. And I took in that Carol Dweck of don't praise that. It was good. Praise the effort. What good effort you had. Look at your effort. You can do this. Look at, and then I reminded him of the things that he could do, pushing his belly button up. These are all the invisible skill sets that most people don't see or know. They just, they may see backstroke because you're on your back, but they may not know. And I know these cues because I've been doing it over time. And every day after practice, he'd say, I don't want to swim the backstroke at championships, right? And that meet that he said no to, and then the championships, it was seven days, <laughs> And I said, we are just focusing on today. Let's focus on today. Let's focus on what you can do today. And we go to championships and, you know, of course he doesn't want to warm up and we walked around and we were doing a parade. So I took him and another kid around to show them where the parade was going to be. And then I talked to him about getting in and he warmed up and he did two laps of freestyle and he did one lap of backstroke and he was done. And he realized, hey, I can do this. So by the time the backstroke lap came around, there was still vulnerability in it. But he also knew, like I reminded him, what can you do if you need to rest? He goes, I can stop on the line line. Absolutely. And so he goes and swims this race. They get up, the, all these six-year-olds, five, six-year-olds, they get up on the block, not on the blocks, but on the, on the backstroke blocks, which is different than on the top. But he's in the water. 
And one of the little boys, who's one of our kids, takes off <laughs> before the, the gun goes off or the beeper. And so then they all leave, right? And so they had to, it was a false start. So they had to redo it over. And I just said, this is awesome. It's an opportunity. We get to practice again. So about five minutes later, they reset. They got to go do it again. So a kid went from one Saturday, not thinking he can swim one lap, to then that week, probably swimming, I don't know, 30 laps or so of backstroke with a variety of formats, to then that afternoon during the break between trials and finals, he was in the pool with my husband and a bunch of people were in the pool and they were swimming around and he challenged my husband because he was feeling mighty confident. And he said, Pete, I challenge you to swim eight laps of butterfly. And Pete said, well, if I do eight laps, what will you do, Avery? <laughs> and Avery thought about it for a moment. He's like, okay, if you do eight laps of butterfly, which in his brain was impossible, and he was going to be a really hard challenge. I mean, he thought it was possible for Pete, but he really wanted to put him through like the ringer. He's like, okay, I'll do two laps of backstroke if you do eight laps of butterfly, right? And then Avery was so proud because he later told me the story. He said, I challenged Pete, but Pete didn't, wasn't able to do eight laps. He did four and he failed. And so I didn't have to do my two laps of backstroke right? And how cool is it for him to learn that somebody who is strong and capable and who is a leader and who is this coach could fail, right? That's such an important lesson. So I, I shared the story with you is that where are you that Avery in your own life where you may be not seeing your own potential and then you may need somebody to help lead you so that you can see your own potential. And maybe that's what this podcast episode is for you. Maybe you not, may not see your own leadership potential and what you're already currently doing, or the invisible skill sets of what you need to learn to help you get across in your leadership, right? So the, the cues that I was giving him and the skill sets that I taught him, it's the same thing that, and it's not the same thing. It's not pushing your belly button up to be a better leader. It's pushing your belly button up to not sink and backstroke, right? But it's the same thing in terms of there's small skill sets that may be invisible that you may not know. And the great news is that you have the ability to learn. So leaders, do you look for potential in people or in processes, right? If so, you are a leader. So my invitation for you is to give yourself the ability to take on that identity if you haven't been. And if you are a parent, you're a leader. Like when we, we don't realize when we decide to have a child that we're going to be a leader. <laughs> we have a lot of magical thinking when we have children. And then there's the reality, right? That parent wasn't expecting her child to be resistant to doing warm up or to swimming across the pool, thought, oh, this will be great fun. And then this is where it gets really hard as a parent, right? Because we start to think, maybe I'm being bad. Maybe I'm, maybe there's something wrong with me. Am I being too pushy? And we start to ask all these really shameful questions of ourselves instead of understanding that resistance is part of the human behavior. And really learning, thinking about what do we want from this outcome and why? It wasn't about me winning and powering over this kid and learning a point. It was about me helping him learn to have the confidence to do things he didn't think he could do, that he didn't believe that were possible. And that's why I love sports is that it's a huge opportunity for kids to develop their agency. They can think that's not possible for me and then realize, holy moly, look at what I just did. And I accomplished that. 
So when we sign up for being a parent, we don't realize, we may not realize the leadership toll it takes on us because leadership takes bravery and vulnerability, right? For me, it wasn't about power being the coach. It was about overcoming the resistance of what he wants, what he thinks he wants and what he really wants, right? And at some point, what happens is that the kids who will opt out and not choose not to do those things then they're going to sit there and have shame later on if he's still not doing backstroke, but all of his friends are doing backstroke the race, but he's not doing it because he never learned the skill sets that he needed to be able to do that. And then it triggers his own belonging. So one of the important things is that when we go into leadership is to realize that we can learn and unlearn right? We can unlearn maybe some ways that we would do things and learn new ways. And bravery is one of the things to learn. And part of it is also the unlearning of what bravery means. When I first came across this, and I've talked about this many times here, but when I first came across bravery, I thought, oh, I don't really like that word. I think because it made me think of Mel Gibson in Braveheart. And I've never, I didn't really like the movie And, you know, it's about going to battle and running down the hill with your armor. Didn't really like it. So I would always think of bravery as Braveheart. And really, I'm working on bravery every day in my own life as a coach, right? As a a swim coach, as a leader, as, you know, a leadership coach with my clients. And bravery is having the ability to ask the tough questions. Bravery is about making mistakes and owning your mistakes. Who really wants to own their mistakes? Especially when intelligence is so much a part of your identity and you will armor up and hide behind it, right? Because you don't want people to know that, or you don't want to be perceived as not intelligent, right? So owning our mistakes. But if we can own the growth mindset of we can learn, we're going to make mistakes and we can learn. Those are examples of bravery, Bravery is also about not knowing. This is huge. Like being able to step into situations. These swim meets are an example. Every parent is really brave. They don't know what it's going to be. They have this idea of like, oh, this will be great. It's going to be so much fun. I am such a great mom. I'm such a great dad because I'm schlepping all this stuff, taking you to the swim meet. Look at me. And then their kid's like, "Mm, not going to do it. And the parents like everybody's watching me. I'm going to be the bad parent, right? We have all these stories that go on. Versus, like, of course it's going to be a shit show, right? We have these kids at seven o'clock in the morning. They're, you know, wearing these tiny swimsuits, and who wants to get in the water and go across the pool? It takes bravery to do this stuff, and then not knowing. Bravery is also about having boundaries and being clear with, like, here's what's okay and here's what's not okay, or asking for what we need and not judging ourselves that we're being too much. That's bravery. Bravery is also clarifying miscommunication without powering over. We go to power over like, I don't have time for this bullshit. That guy's an idiot. What does he not know? Because we don't want to look at what's the problem. How do we work on resolving it? What was my part in it? And it takes bravery to look at that, right? And when we're in a lot of shame, we have a harder time to see it. So sometimes we go into powering over or domineering or judging somebody. And so bravery is about staying out of judgment, which is so easy to go into judgment 
right? But the cost is so great. And I am constantly like in that judgment, working on unlearning that because judgment has been a great piece of armor for me throughout my life and really protected me. But it's also really isolated me and learning how to let it go and not have it. So that's the toll of leadership, right? Like when we use, when we don't have boundaries, when we have miscommunication, when we go into power over, when we dominate over other people, when we hide away because it's too vulnerable to ask, that's the toll of leadership. And then we don't know the intricacies of how to be brave and we can't see it because of course it's invisible. It's, it's like me breaking down backstroke for this little kid Avery. Once I broke it down, it changed him, right? Because he was able to have the confidence of like, oh, my, now I understand. He didn't know what was happening. He just knew that water kept splashing his mouth. He didn't realize the cue was pushing his belly button up. And then that would help him not sink so much because he was trying to just stay afloat. and He didn't know what he needed to do. Now I have many clients who also want to be leaders. So some who didn't think they want to be leaders, but I also have clients who want to be leaders. They want to have a leadership role. Maybe you'll use the word power because you, you didn't realize the word agency, but you want to have say over your life. You want to have the, your own influence on your life, right? You want to be the leader of your life. And so sometimes we think we have to be in a place of power. Nobody's going to be the boss of me. I'm the boss of me, right? So I have many clients who want those leadership roles. And in many of us, right, that's, that's a definition of success in our culture of if I have a leadership role, then I'm successful, or maybe I want to have a leadership role to have control. So here's the thing, though, is that the idea and the reality are often there's quite a bit of gap because we think when we have that control, everything comes easy. But when we have that control that we have also great responsibility in leadership and against that toll of that responsibility. Being a parent is just not somebody loving us. There's a lot of work and support that goes into being a parent that we goes beyond the pictures, right? And sometimes we don't think about those things when we think about the family that we want to have. So there is a toll. Now, the good news is you may need some support to help you refine your leadership skills so that you don't burn out and become filled with resentment. So it's not a either I do leadership or I don't. The good news is, is that you may need support, right? And for those of you that are like, okay, Corinne, great for those people, but I'm already burned out and I am filled resentment. That's okay as well. You can heal from burnout and you can achieve overall well-being, right? Where we can really thrive in our lives. We can heal and thrive in our lives. In this way, so you can excel in your professional role as a leader without neglecting your personal life. We used to think it was a binary choice. You're either a successful leader here in the family or your personal life gets scrapped. It's an either or, or you have to quit the job so you can do it here. But it's about really an integration between the two. Then you can lead with less cost to you. That's so it's not so devastating. So I'm going to ask you this other question. What is your biggest leadership struggle at work or in your life? Is it giving feedback when things aren't going well? Is that our struggle? Is it boundaries? Is it trusting yourself? And when I say that, it's like trusting yourself and what you see or what you, what you believe needs to improve. Remember that 
believing what needs to improve is a sign of leadership? Is it about speaking up and using your voice? Do you struggle with being concerned that you are an imposter, that you're not deserving of this title? I've had this happen many, many times. Clients come to me and they have a job and they're like, how did I get here? This isn't, this is, I I am, you know, I have imposter syndrome. I'm not deserving of this role. Or is your big struggle that your career is stalled right now? And that's okay too, because there's things that are learnable. Maybe it's about having brave conversations where people have different needs, wants, and viewpoints, like learning how to be able to get in there in the mess of it and not a right or wrong, but really being able to have conversation. So we all have struggles, right? And I often say my life is, I live an amazing life and there's shit shows everywhere. So we all have struggles. And when we think we don't, when we think we are the only ones and other people aren't, this show has been here for you to try to highlight, share with you that everybody has struggles. There's not a person that I have met that hasn't had struggles. They may tell me originally that they don't, and I know it's coming. So we all have struggles. And the thing is, is that just like with the little Avery kid and his backstroke, there's things are learnable right? We can have our own transformational journey into leadership. If we're burned out and overwhelmed, we can heal and thrive because there is a path to this healing, right? And this transformational journey is about us learning these leadership skills. It's about us practicing. And I know practicing is not, you know, sexy, but guess what? Those 20 laps of backstroke, right? Which was, it was all one lappers. It was all very age appropriate, especially when you have fins, right? That allowed him to go, oh, I can do one lap of backstroke. And then even like the perspective of, did you know you swim more laps at swim practice than you do at a swim meet? And his question was, really? I'm like, yes, you're doing three laps of warm up, And then you're going to do one lap of freestyle and one lap of backstroke, which was what we thought worked out to be two laps of backstroke. So that's still six laps. Doesn't count those 20 laps of backstroke we did that one day, right? And it was like, oh, the kids lose that perspective, right? Because we put such an emphasis on competition that we make it bigger than it is. But just like he can learn how to swim backstroke, you can learn from practice how to be a leader so that You can do it from a place of well-being and really thrive versus getting burned out or filled with resentment. And when we develop, I call it courageous leadership, what allows us to happen is to be a confident leader. Doesn't mean you don't second guess yourself or at time have doubt because we do. We're trying to solve really complex problems and there's not a right way or wrong way. But when you can develop and practice being a courageous leader, what it allows for is to have meaningful work and meaningful life and to be able to integrate it so it's not one or the other, right? Where you can thrive in your career while also enjoying a fulfilling personal life. Where you can practice mastering tough conversations and there's never an end destination. You continue to refine it and get better at it and sometimes screw it all up and circle back. But being able to have those tough conversations so you can empower others to unlock their full potential through constructive dialogue. And that's what I did with Avery. And that's what I did with his mom. And that's what I did as a leader, like within the staff of showing people of like, okay, how do we support 
people to move through and overcome their resistance. The other part is about as we practice brave leadership and being a confident leader, we can then foster positive culture changes, right? Where we can create an environment of growth and inclusivity within our groups and our organizations. So one of the things is that my leadership role in that, we have a saying on the team, every monster matters, right? So it's obvious, he's obviously not a superstar, he's a newbie kid, you know, and I'm really committed to helping him because I know I have the tools that I can help him learn specific things so that we can get him to learn backstroke, which is the ultimate goal for him to be proficient in the water, which is a life-saving skill. So I understand he may not want to swim backstroke, it's important for it, just a life-saving measure. And then what happens is the ripple effects amongst the parents, the coaches, the other staff, the other kids of like, oh yes, we can do hard things. We can learn new skill sets. That's how you create a positive culture. The other thing about when you work on leadership is then you can live leadership authentically to you. So I talked about swimming here with you all, not so that you can go and practice your backstroke, but so that you can take this story and look at how does how can this apply to your own life, whether it's in parenting, whether maybe you have an employee that's really being resistant and really being defiant maybe about something. What are the invisible skills that he or she may not know, he, she, or they, excuse me, may not know or understand that you can see, but they can't see because it's invisible and it's never been broken down to them. I know sometimes we're like, they should just know this shit or why can't they figure this out? They can't see it. It's often invisible. So as you go through and develop your leadership skills, it allows you to lead authentically, which then allows you to embody it, live it in your bones, and then allowing you to be able to identify yourself as a leader. And this is when you become an impactful leader. So we can unlock our leadership potential. There's practices, there's ways. And if you're like, okay, I want some of this and I need help. One of the things I love about coaching, like with him, is he didn't have to go on Google or have his mom. I mean, the last thing his mom wanted to do, she's a former swimmer, was to teach her son, right? Oftentimes the parents are like, I'm exhausted. I'm already doing this. You know, I have to lead my family for so many different things. I don't want to teach him how to swim right? We don't have to be everything to everybody. So she brings them to the aqua monsters. We have coaches there, right? She comes and asks me like, I'm not quite sure. Is this pushing too much? I don't want to burn out. Like we can have these dialogues. They're really vulnerable conversations, right? And then when we get clarity around, oh, it's important that he learns how to swim because that's life-saving. Oh, he has a pattern of being really resistant and then loving it that's important to take into context as well. Oh, he has older friends on the team and he wants to be a part of that. You know, what happens to the kids that don't overcome that resistance? They start to sit and, and, and hide away in shame because they think there's something wrong with them versus learning that it's a learnable skill. Okay. So just like in swimming, there's learnable leadership ways to do it. And it doesn't mean you have to do it alone because guess what? The show is here for you. And I have an upcoming group program, which is based on the curriculum of Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. And we are going to have this small group coaching for the next year. So this is your opportunity to step into your full potential as a courageous, brave leader. You can go to the link in the show notes and apply for the Dare to Lead coaching program. 
and you can embark on a transformative journey that will redefine your leadership approach and unlock the new levels of impact for you and those you lead. It is a small group. I'm going to be doing applications because I want to curate a group of people of professionals, entrepreneurs, leaders who want to work on these skill sets to apply so that they can live and lead confidently and courageously. So apply and let's schedule your consult and you and I will be meeting and seeing if this is a good fit for you. Go to the link in the show notes. I'm smiling big for you. Hey there. You know, coaching is a term you're hearing a lot these days, but let's be real. Good coaching, the kind that truly changes lives is more than a buzzword. Imagine your favorite sports team without their coach. Hard to picture, right? A coach is someone who sees their blind spots, pushes them forward to perform better and help them achieve their goals. And above all, is always there to support them. And that's what I aim to be for you in your journey. But here's the thing. It's not just about advancing your career. It's about living in integration where the work you do is not only rewarding, but deeply meaningful. It's about fostering loving, connected relationships, not only with others, but also with yourselves as you do your meaningful work in your life. It's not about splitting your time perfectly between work and life because life in all its wonderful underpredictability doesn't work that way. It's about weaving your professional and personal life together in a way that each one enriches the other, allowing you to thrive in all the areas of your life. Here's how we can kickstart this transformative journey. One, dinner parties. Imagine an evening filled with fantastic food, thought-provoking conversation, and people who are on the same journey as you. We'll share stories, learn from each other, and of course, have a lot of fun and connection. Interested? Let us know where you'd like us to host one. You can fill out the form linked in the show notes. Two, if you prefer a group environment, join one of my group coaching programs. My upcoming one is Dare to Lead, starting this fall. It's an amazing way to grow surrounded by folks who share similar challenges and aspirations as you while they're pursuing to unlock their leadership potential. Three, for a more tailored experience, we can dive deep with private one-on-one coaching. This is a chance for you to focus purely on your journey, your goals, your struggles, and your growth. So three opportunities, one goal, thriving in a life where meaningful work and personal fulfillment are interwoven seamlessly into your life. Ready to take the next step? All the details are in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter for updates. Remember, growth isn't just about work. It's about creating a life that feels good on the inside, not one that just looks good on the outside. So let's do this. Can't wait to work with you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide